Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 22 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Hello, my friends. Oh, my brother is here. My brother is here. So my brother lives in Queensland and I live in Tasmania. So we don't get to catch up very often. And he is just so wonderful. He's like everything that I'm not. (laughs) Maybe not everything, but he's got a lot of qualities that I wish I had. Um, For anyone who has a sibling, I'm sure you experience a very similar thing. I know it's very evident in my children and my parents. You know, we have very different qualities to our siblings. um, and yeah, he's got a lot of qualities that I wish I had and I've got a lot of qualities I'm sure he doesn't even think about, um, which is hilarious. He is currently building our garden shed. So that's really, really nice. Um, he's a boilermaker welder for anyone who is looking for your welding needs on the cold coast. You can just look up Bush's Bits Fabrication. The weld is your oyster. Um, <laughs> a little shameless plug for my brother who I just, oh, I adore. I just absolutely adore. Very proud sister, as you can tell. Anyway, back to me today. So today I want to talk about love me or hate me, which I think is a really, really, oh, it's taken me quite a long time to get to this point and quite a journey. But, you know, as some of you may know who frequently listen to me, I recently began a new role with an organization. I'm doing some consulting work and I'm really loving it. And something that occurred to me from previous roles that I've had, especially in my more recent career, is that anything I do, I want to come at from a position of power. And I don't mean power as in like a big swinging willy or, you know, external power or a power within a hierarchy. I mean from a position of internal power, from a place of empowerment. The best way I can say this is that I want to put my head on the pillow every night and know at the end of my day, I did for the entirety of that day what was true to me, to my beliefs, my thoughts, my way of being, that if there was an opportunity to say something to weigh in with an opinion that I did, if it meant enough to me to weigh in. But also in a way that is for the better part, good to others and functions successfully in our social society, our social contracts and constructs um, and the way in which we need to conform into society to survive and be accepted and almost in a way to be successful, right? It's a balance of both, okay? So a few roles ago, we, as in my boss and I, were negotiating my salary. And if you've ever been through a restructure or a process of negotiating salary, then you know it's tense and stressful, especially the more you earn. It's a pretty sensitive topic. Um, And there was this complete restructure that was happening and they wanted to decrease my salary. I could have seen the conversation coming. But in that moment, the moment where it was first raised, I thought to myself, you know what? Remain open, have a little faith and do what's true to me. And that's the question I continue to come back to. What is true to me? And how do I need to behave to align with what's true to me? In this conversation, I 
let the person negotiating with me go through their thought process, reminding myself not to react, not to speak out of inconsideration. Thank goodness I had a water glass. I just kept drinking the water glass. Um, But instead to listen and try to see it from their point of view. So get really curious about what was going on for them. And I was able to see it from their point of view, even though I didn't like it. And it did ultimately have a negative impact on me. I was able to detach enough to have the conversation. And within 24 hours, that person called me back, said they didn't believe it was the right thing to do, dropping my salary, and that they were, you know, expecting a lot from me. So it didn't make sense to then decrease my pay as well. So I ended up getting what I wanted, which was the same salary and continuing to work with that organization for that boss. I knew they weren't in a position to increase my salary from what I had been on, um, but I knew if I could continue to stay with them over the course of the longer term, it would seriously pay off. Fast forward to now, we never got there because I no longer work with them, (laughs) which is a shame. But sometimes, you know, it's just for the best and that's how things work out. There's always lessons. It's coming into this latest role that I've started where I wanted to come in being true to me, which, as I've said, head on my pillow of an evening asking that, did I honor myself today? Was I true to me today? And if I was able to do that, then happy days, I was true to me. And I was able to do that with this role as well. And the reason that this role was a big deal is because this role is Tasmanian based and Tasmania is quite small. So your reputation tends to precede you. You don't have a gazillion chances to rewrite your story, to make mistakes. And I find that quite daunting. I'm like, oh my goodness, what if I... Actually, now I'm saying it out loud, I probably haven't thought it through enough. I haven't thought through like the worst case scenario. Like if I did do something terrible, which what could I possibly do in consulting land that's that terrible? You know, what's the worst that could happen? And maybe I should do that because I'm going to do that because that's going to calm me down. But anyway, what being true to me meant and has meant for the past three months, because I've been in the role for three months now, is that my actions, what I do, what I say, how I behave, you know, they were either going to love me or they were going to hate me. And that's a bit dramatic, okay? I can be a little bit dramatic, but it may not have been quite that extreme one way or another, but I thought culturally I'm going to fit or I'm not. They're going to like the work that I do or they're not. And more importantly, I'm okay with not fitting in and I'm not, I'm okay if they don't like me and that I'm very proud of because that takes having an abundance mindset because as I've done in previous roles, if I had come at it from the angle of this is the only job I'm ever going to have and no one else will want me and no one else will hire me and oh, what if I lose this job? I'm very much in scarcity mindset. I'm driven out of fear and then I will consciously change my behavior based on what I think they need instead of what I need. And I did that for a very long time. That was definitely how I was taught to behave, how I was conditioned, and it definitely comes down to older generations that have had to conform and behave certain ways because they were working in jobs that were scarce. You know, older, older generations were rebuilding society out the other side of World War II and the Depression, and so people have had to take whatever job they could And the higher educated you were, the better job you got, the better salary you got, the more security you had. But the world has dramatically changed and now millennials can be more demanding about what they want and the work-life balance they have. The beauty of that 
is that millennials will typically work very, very hard. They will really give their all to a cause they believe in and things that align with their values. But they also have expectations to deliver in that kind of way. So if you're the kind of boss who doesn't feel the need to micromanage, uh, who can empower your staff, provide flexibility for your staff, um, you trust them and your staff are aligned with what you do and your cause, you're on a winning ticket. If you have millennials who are a little bit disempowered and coming from that scarcity mindset, they'll do whatever they need to do for you just because they are in that fear and scarcity mindset. Usually, they are your more entry-level staff. When it comes to asking more from them, they may be reluctant. Where you may have a real problem in staffing is where you have someone who's taking advantage because they don't feel passionate about what they're doing, where they are, the organization. You know, they they don't want to work for anything other than a salary. They are in there to get paid and walk out the door. They won't go above and beyond. Um, They would typically be quite willing to do the bare minimum. But coming back to it, when I thought to myself, you're going to love me or hate me, it made it really clean cut because I'm coming from a place of valuing myself first. And I think that's really important because let's be honest, they could love me or hate me whether I was being myself or whether I wasn't. So to be myself and have that same outcome feels amazing. Like I've heard of a lot of life coaches say, you're uncomfortable no matter what you do no matter whether you're driving to achieve something that you want to achieve or whether you are not driving to achieve something that you know you want to achieve, you're still feeling the same level of discomfort. So you might as well feel discomfort while achieving it rather than not achieving it. And this is a very similar thing. Another way of explaining what I mean is that when I started dating my beautiful partner, Damien, who I love so much and who is absolutely my person, for those of you who are in a significant relationship and it's strong right now, you know exactly what I mean. But for a long time, I hadn't met Damien. And around the time I met him and we started dating, I was infatuated with this other guy or this other guy, and I'm sure I've told the story before, was, you know, the football jock. He was the life of the party that everyone gravitates to. He was the jokester and we had mad banter. Like we had really, really great banter. Whereas with Damien, it was just so easy. And because, let's call this guy my infatuation, he wasn't giving me much in the way of a green light. And Damien really wanted to keep seeing me. I really wanted to keep seeing him. So we kept coming back together, Damien and I, I mean. So fast forward to now, and for years I've felt this way, if I was to have gone and dated my infatuation, I would have been dating this person from this persona and changed who I thought I was supposed to be in order to date him, which was someone like him, right? You know, it was heightened. It felt like he was looking for something specific. Well, in my mind he was. So I would have tried to have been that thing to meet what I perceived were his expectations. Again, let's be honest, I didn't actually know what his expectations were. I I never asked. I just assumed that because he was that type of person, he would want that kind of thing. And if we'd gone on a date, what I would have done, because I know myself, I would have been worried about what I wore. I would have been worried about how I looked. I would have been worried about what I ate, whether I had food in my teeth, whether I looked fat, whether I was this or that. Instead of just being there in the moment, being present and having a great time, I would have been worried about the continuation of it. 
who I needed to be, what I was lacking, what he might be missing, all of this total BS, if I'm being honest, all way too hard and too complicated when it comes to dating. When I dated Damien, oh, it was just easy and seamless and lovely and I just wanted to keep going back. I just wanted to keep talking to him all the time because our conversations were in depth. We were on the same wavelength and then, you know, other parts of the relationship, everything else lined up as well, which took a little bit more time than those initial dating sort of moments where you get them for, you know, a few hours at a time here and there. But most importantly from that dating experience, I was 100% me. Damien got the real, raw, uncensored me. If I dated infatuation, he would have got this falsified, heightened version of me that wouldn't have lasted. The shine would have worn off it. And then he would have gone, oh, you're not actually like that at all most of the time. And therefore, I'm no longer interested. That's my assumption anyway. Again, I don't actually know. It didn't actually happen. But that's where I go and that's why you know when I dated Damien and it was easy and I loved what we had you know I was able to be me and I think that was the best gift I didn't see it like that at the time but now I completely think it was just the absolute best thing that could have happened in summary what I'm trying to say is that it's important for you to be treated the way you expect to be treated you set the standards for yourself as you what you want how you want to be treated and obviously have your own back So using the job example, if having that specific job or that specific salary is important to you, make it work for you, but in alignment with your beliefs and values first, what you want first. By finding little tiny ways in the beginning for you to realize and step into your self-worth, who you are, who you want to be, and trying to communicate that with people, take a few small risks to begin with. Then you can start to see how they land with others, how others receive it. And this is important because to educate others on how you want to be treated based on your self-worth, your self-set boundaries and how you expect to be treated, it can be a little bit of a shock to people who aren't used to it. I can guarantee you now if you start to become more assertive and you start to talk about what you think, how you feel, especially if you've got quite strong opinions about things, Some of the people around you are going to love it and really embrace it. Some of the people around you who aren't used to you speaking up, they're not going to like it. And that can be friends, family, colleagues, clients. Some people will just not like it. They won't cope with it. And those are the people you need to start to question whether you value their opinion enough to have a really quite prevalent place in your life or not. If they're your boss, we need to reconsider things. Firstly, the consideration is whether that role is right for you. Having a good boss is the difference between setting yourself on a career path that's right for you or completely wrong for you. Your boss matters. How they support you matters. How they help you develop matters. How they speak to you, respect you, honour you matters. Acknowledge you. How they acknowledge you really matters. So if you're working for someone right now who you feel you're learning lessons from, great. And they're supportive and nurturing. They enable you to grow and take risks with a safety net. You know, that's great. But if those bosses' lessons are 
you know, encouraging you and teaching you exactly how you don't want to be treated, how you don't want to rise and escalate that corporate hierarchy or how to treat subordinates, then we need to reassess. I've had both. I've had excellent bosses and I've also had bosses who I've just thought, oh, you're a miserable human. And while, yes, I've learned a lot from them, I learned exactly what I didn't want to become. Both are valuable lessons. But if it's the second one, if you're questioning whether the learnings are lessons you really need, then you seriously need to question whether you've been in that role too long and how much more there is for you to learn. Because there could be a boss waiting for you somewhere else who's going to nurture your development and teach you beyond the realms of their own self-interest and coping mechanisms. And a boss like that will teach you things you didn't know you wanted to know. They will open up your mind and they will help you become something that you didn't even think was possible. They are essentially a life coach in business, in the industry you work in, right? Your boss matters. Years ago, very early on in my career, I was working at the Hilton Hotel, George Street in Sydney. Had the best time, was so, so great. And I had one manager who I overheard apologize to a client for the behavior of one of my colleagues and their exact words were, I'm so sorry, she's new. And I had a different manager who I heard say to a client on a completely different occasion, and what gives you the right to speak to my staff that way? You can see straight away who had more respect from their staff. And when you have respect from your staff, your staff will do more for you. When it comes to my work output and deliverables, it's actually much more about making sure someone in the organization thinks well of me and respects me rather than thinking about the client that I'm doing the work for. I have a boss right now who is kind and brilliant and caring engineering background. He's super smart and he's done what he's done for a very long time. He's an absolute old hat at it. He's amazing. And with everything he does, the places that he comes from, he mentors out of a perspective that he's not only doing it because he loves to teach and to share what he knows, but he wants you to develop. It feels very selfless and it comes from a place of kindness. I had a boss in corporate years ago who was all about their self-interest. It was all about the way they looked to the uppers. It was always about what they were going to get, what they were going to gain, the money they were going to make, how good they were going to look. And while I made good money, it was a very one-sided, energetically speaking, relationship. There are times of flipping in between feeling really powerful about setting boundaries and honoring what's true to me. There are other times I get sucked into what other people need or want from me at the detriment to myself. And that turns into resentment or anger or frustration. I know that when I'm true to who I am and what I believe – I add a ton more value to those who can and do appreciate me rather than shying away or hiding because I'm afraid of what others may think or that I might offend someone. I hope you honour you from a place of empowerment, from self-worth, self-respect and authenticity. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. you go i always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights if you found this podcast valuable please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial 
so that other people can benefit from your insights and have the listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.